Good morning and welcome to episode 84 of the Jaguar Report podcast. My name is Gus Logue, joined as always by my co-host John Shipley. John, let's start here. Is Trevor playing on Sunday? I can definitively say, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't think Doug Peterson is BSing when he said today that it could be like a game time decision, you know? Like, they might not know until like 90 minutes before. I think he's definitely traveling, which I'm not sure if he would have last week. Like he already would have been ruled out last week, you know? So right. he's, it definitely seems like he's traveling this week. So I don't know. Like what I saw in practice today, he was attempting a couple longer throws, a couple yards, like 30, 30 yard passes or so. Somebody asked me if the timing looked off, and I'm like, "Man, the staff members catching the ball." I don't. I'm not. I'm not gonna question timing. I I will say, I don't know. The ball was. I felt like coming out of his hand was a little bit different, but I think any quarterback they suffer, suffer Jesus, suffer a uh, yeah, a uh, throwing shoulder injury. They're gonna compensate, you know, with their motion or whatever, even if it's subconsciously. So that's not too surprising. I'd say uh, you going to make me take a stance, yes or no? Absolutely. Okay. you got to give me a percentage, even if it's 51-49 one way or another. Yes, he starts. It, it could be 50-50, I guess. If you Yes, could. he starts. 55-45. 55-45, okay. I was thinking, yes, he starts 60-40. Because I haven't really taken anything from what Doug has said, because I feel like you never really can. And then, like, I haven't really taken anything from the practice field because media is only out there for so long, and it's always the beginning of practice. And I don't know. There's definitely a lot of unknowns behind the scenes. But I think the fact that he is traveling with the team and specifically a game-time decision is not small news at all. Because, I mean, every time that, like, we've talked about this and he's, like – been injured and then the next week he has a chance to play the game he's uh like every time except last week he's been a game time decision and then he ends up playing and then last week he was ruled out on friday and so i just think i don't know maybe it's too small of a sample size and you can't really take anything away from it but history says that if he's a game time decision he's gonna play yeah no i think you made a good point with the practice time like for the record we are not out there very long at all it's like 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, maybe. So, like, he could literally, you know, be playing with marbles <laughs> like on the sideline if he wanted to, just kicking his feet in the air. And then when we leave, you know, maybe he throws a ton. You know, like, we just we just do not know. So, I, I think that's definitely a good point. You know, like, yesterday, I think the line the line moved, like, two points, three points yesterday, didn't it? Like towards yeah, I was going to say two and a half. And I – I think some of that was because Ian Rappaport had a report slash like opinion that he didn't <laughs> think it looked good for him to play. Like again, it, it didn't feel like a report. Like Rappaport had the same kind of bit a few weeks ago when he said he wasn't going to play. He didn't think he would play like when he had the concussion. But I know a lot of people are wondering why is the line moving if there are videos of him throwing at practice when like. What you get from us at practice is like extremely limited, and it it really shouldn't move much at all. Like my opinion on whether Trevor plays or not is not based much on what I saw from him today because there's just not really a ton to glean from it. Other than it seems like they have a good time. <laughs> I'll say that they were in good spirits today, like on the practice field in the locker room. It felt like I wouldn't say loose, but they're not like you know a tent hut at attention, like, you know, super tense or anything like right, that. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, there's definitely times where you can, like, either the locker room or the practice field kind of, like, feel the tension around you. So I, I think that's a viable report. Yeah, it, it definitely you- felt more positive. I'll, I'll say that. Like, even being on the practice field, like, before the Tampa Bay game, it didn't feel, like, as positive and, I guess, good energy as it did today. So I know we just said that the media isn't on the practice field very long, but have you noticed anything different either this week or last compared to the rest of the practices? <sighs> Music choices? I, 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 I feel like that could actually have a little psychological impact. I, I, 
I really just don't think you can glean a lot from like in season. Like in season practices are basically for you to say who's on the practice field and who isn't. Like for media, you know, that is to me as much as you can really get. But I will say it definitely seemed like that win against the Panthers, just like the overall mood in the air, definitely helped them kind of, you know, let a let a sigh out a little bit, you know, breathe right. a little bit. Yeah, I guess my, question, my question definitely would have been better for like a coach or a player, but I'm just interested in like in like if they actually like change something specific in their practice routine or if the only thing that changed was like, the coach is yelling at players a little bit harder and then the players working a little bit harder because of that. It's okay. I get confused for a coach or a player all the time. I, I perfectly <laughs> understand why you would uh, send that question my way. No, I mean, I, I thought Josh Allen last week saying it was their best week of prep all week was interesting. And like I said, it, it probably is something like they can talk to better, but I'd imagine when they say those things, it's like attention to detail or, you know, like, like stuff like that, like the little things, like guys aren't jumping off sides during special teams uh, drills, etc. Guys aren't dropping passes on air, that kind of stuff. So, again, it's not really stuff that we can see per se, but what we could see, what we could kind of gauge, it definitely feels like they're at least in good spirits. Like as opposed to, I think if this game was last week, I think it'd be a very different feel, you know? Because I mean, even going into that Panthers game, things still felt a little bit tense when you saw. Oh, totally. I mean, they were on a four-game losing skid, so of course things felt a little bit tense. Uh, how would you say the vibe is around the receiver room specifically? Because we just talked about Trevor and uh, the offensive line injuries. Looks like Walker Little and Ezra Cleveland are pretty much a full go for Sunday. And so really the question marks that remain in terms of the injury report for Jacksonville is Zay Jones and Christian Kirk. My prediction on Christian Kirk is – Tomorrow afternoon, you see him activated and placed on the active roster, and Jamal Agnew is placed on injured reserve. But he either doesn't play or he plays very sparringly. And then he comes back 100% the next week. Like, he he even said, like, his first day of practice this week was basically, like, a recovery day. Like, get out there and, like, finally move around. I feel like he's done very little, like, game plan specific and football specific stuff probably this week. So I've, I'm just not entirely sold that like his, his recovery has been amazing. Like it's normally like a six to seven, you know, eight week injury. And he even said the other day, like he had a, like, a, I think a right, like abductor tear, like in like week six and he had been playing through it yeah. for like a month and a half. That was high key, the biggest news of the week. It was crazy that he kind of spilled the beans on that. I was surprised that Mike Flores didn't jump all over that. <laughs> He's only known as Mike Flores. Did, did you notice that? That's such a Mike Flores move. He 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 writes about the dumbest stuff. Did, did you notice that um, they had to add Trevor's finger to the injury report because he said he got like something like lanced off, so he had a bandaid around it. But because he got asked about it in the press conference, they had to add it to the press report. I mean, to the injury report because you know. Yeah. God knows, Mike Flores says he sees a bandaid in that finger, and it's not on the injury report. He's going to sniff it out. <laughs> he's he's the hero we we don't deserve. Right. But back to the receivers, it does seem like Zay Jones is going to play at least, which I think, regardless of who plays at quarterback, that's probably like a plus. You know, like CJ Beathard last week basically just threw it the Calvin Ridley and Evan Ingram. So if Beathard was to play this week, I think having Jones back in the lineup is significant, especially with how bad they were in the red zone, you know, last week and how bad they've been in that, you know, really since I'd say the Cincinnati Bengals game on the flip side for as useless as much of what we get from Peterson and press conferences is he did make one interesting point. I thought today when somebody asked about, you know, you're getting Jones back eventually pretty soon. You're going to get Trevor and Kirk back for sure. You're going to have your full offense out there again. And he was like, yeah, it's a good thing. You're going to playoffs. You're getting your best players. But he also said like the drawback is they just haven't played in a while. And like the timing and rhythm and all stuff like that, it could potentially be affected by that. I never really thought of it like that, but I mean, I, I think it's a potential, you know, factor. Oh, totally. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I feel like even at the beginning of the season, we saw that a lot where the timing and the chemistry wasn't totally there between the quarterback and the pass catchers. And so, I mean, Evan Ingram has been pretty consistent all season, and then Ridley has kind of rounded into form as 
the only healthy starting receiver really for Jacksonville this season. Uh, but I thought Doug also said today that he would expect Zay Jones to be out there on game day, which I thought was another like telling quote because usually Doug is like very much keep things under wraps kind of coach speak uh, at his press conferences. But to like just blatantly say, I expect him to be out there on game day is that I feel like as pointing of a statement as he could have delivered. And then he's listed questionable. (laughs) (laughs) I think, yeah, I would expect Zay to play though. Christian, I, I was thinking he would not be activated and not play. And then I wouldn't have been surprised if he was activated and didn't play, but I kind of like what you're saying where he's activated and technically is active on Sunday, but then like is really just an emergency option. I think that makes sense with Zay coming back from injury and then Jamal going to be on injured reserve. That that's the entire reason I think you haven't seen Agnew place on IR yet. They're just waiting for Christian Kirk to, you know, just take his spot. So if you had somebody else replace Jamal Agnew's spot, then you have to make a spot when Kirk comes back. So I definitely agree. So the last time the Jags I played the Titans, Doug Peterson kind of he kind of owns the Titans, dude. They they've outscored <laughs> them. They, they averaged 30 points per game against the Titans, and the second and the fourth highest-scoring games of the Peterson era have come against the Titans, you know, earlier this year and then obviously last year on the road. Probably Trevor's best, like, in terms of, like, the production and the touchdowns, et cetera, yards everybody wants to see. Trevor against the Titans last year in Nashville is probably like, as good as you're going to get. Right. How do you think they match up with this specific Titans team? Just knowing what we saw earlier in the year, it, it felt like the Jaguars kind of toyed with them early. Like I kind of I, that was definitely the offense's best game of the year. I think I know it was for sure by EPA. I think you said it was Lawrence's best game ever in terms of total EPA generated. Sounds like something I would say. It yeah. does sound like something I would say. <laughs> I think they match up really well. Uh, I think more so on the defense, which is probably mostly just because of the injuries on offense. Like, it's tough to say how the Jaguars match up when we don't really know what the starting quarterback and receiver situation is going to be. But the Titans have been kind of burned through the air all season by wideouts specifically. They've allowed the third most receptions and the sixth most most yards to wide receivers on the season. Um, And so, like, Calvin Ridley week. Uh, I'm not sure like how productive Zay Jones is actually going to be, but he definitely makes a big difference when he's on the field. For passing plays specifically, the Jags rank uh, – sorry, the Jags rank – or they would rank 16th on offense for passing plays with Zay Jones on the field at negative .01 EPA per play. And with him off the field, they'd be 21st uh, with negative .08 EPA per play. So it's not a major bump, but it is a bump. And I don't know how much of a factor he'll really be in his first game back, but I mean he's definitely better than whoever would start above him. And I think that he could also that's a true like decoy for Ridley on certain routes. Yeah, that to me is the big thing with Zay Jones is I'm not sure really what you could expect, but at the very least it's more than having, you know, respectfully Tim Jones or Elijah Cooks probably out there, right? Right. Exactly. I mean, honestly, even maybe his – I, I want to give credit to you. You've made this point before, Zay Jones as a blocker. I think that's personally the biggest reason Elijah Cooks doesn't play much, in my opinion, is because he's both in terms of uh, execution and kind of just what we can see on film, kind of knowing what to do. I think the Tampa game especially, I think his blocking is a big thing. And Zay, you've mentioned it before, is their best blocking receiver by a mile. So do you maybe see more of an impact from him in that regard? Yeah, absolutely. And I think for the running game, really the key is to avoid the edges because with Jeffrey Simmons out for the Titans, he's been on injured reserve since I think Christmas Eve. Uh, Tennessee is actually a little bit susceptible to runs up the middle. And so it'll be a big Luke Fortner showing to see if he can like kind of take advantage of a Titans front that doesn't have Jeffrey Simmons of it in it. Um, and so I think you can like run right up the gap against the Titans a little bit and then run like way outside the edges on like pitches and reverses and try to get way outside because the Titans corners are just not really good in general against the pass and the run. Um, but like really you got to avoid the edges between uh, Danico Autry, who's been one of the best run and pass rushing uh, 
run stopping and pass rushing defensive ends in football since he's been on Tennessee's roster. And then Arden Key, who has like probably maybe not more than any Jaguars, but for the Titans, I feel like he's got to have the most motivation on that team to have a big performance against the Jags. Uh, and then Harold Landry has been kind of nicked up by injuries over the past year or two after he was kind of like an ascending young star outside linebacker. But those three are like kind of like the big names for Tennessee's defense. And so I don't, I don't think, ten, I don't think Jacksonville can really try to run zone or gap schemes, either one, like to the C gap, trying to get at the, at the defensive edges. I think they got to go either right up the gut or way outside. I'll be honest with you. I, I kind of think going outside is the move against the Titans defense. And the reason why is I just feel like they're not a fast defense. You know, like they're not maybe some of the past Mike Rabel defenses we've seen. And I feel like if you can get the edge on them, like if you go back, the Titans game is one of the few games where like the Kevin Ridley in the rounds <laughs> worked, you know, yeah. uh, the Johnson made some plays outside Travis Etienne did. So I kind of feel like offensively, that should, you know, be like kind of out athlete them a little bit because especially, with, you know, but I think you make a good point. No Jeffrey Simmons is huge. I think you can at least try to establish the running game a bit more. I, I remember that first game, there was like a third and short or a fourth and short. And he just, he absolutely schooled Anton Harris <laughs> on his way to getting the stop. Him, him being out is huge. And I've had a lot of people um, express surprise at the fact that he's on IR. It shows you <laughs> nobody pays attention to Tennessee this year, like he, he <laughs> has not been set to be a factor for some time. So, Calvin Ridley, you mentioned Calvin Ridley week, his best game as a Jaguar, probably this. Like I'd say, what the, the first Titans game and what the Buffalo Bills game. I was gonna say the Bills game. I feel like there was one other game where he had over 100 yards or maybe close to it. But so I would say like it's. The Titans game was definitely a top three game for him this season, for sure. And I think it's because, like, you saw Juju Brents with, I think, believe it was with the Colts a few weeks ago, said Calvin Ridley was his toughest cover so far this year because one-on-one, just the things he can do. I feel like when you're going against young slash inexperienced slash maybe not very good quarters like Tennessee has, that's the kind of game where Ridley kind of can just potentially have a monster day. So, <sighs> Ten and a half targets. You're taking the over or under for Ridley this week. Yeah, that's right. Crank it up. I'm going under for that because I think I think Jacksonville will be kind of like what they did both last week against the Panthers and then earlier in the season against the Titans where they're able to just kind of jump to an early read, early lead and almost coast for the rest of the game. So I'm not expecting like huge passing production out of Jacksonville this week, regardless of who starts at quarterback. But – you, you better believe I still have Calvin Ridley's over for receiving down for the props later. I kind of want to go over. I'll, I'll be honest. I feel like he gets absolutely fed. Yeah. I'm not saying he's going to catch them. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, or, uh, I'm not saying they're going to be completed. <laughs> but, eh? No? No, you, you can't maybe, like... That could be like even them throwing 21 times. I think you'd get like a little. I, I think he's going to get absolutely fed this week. And I'm prepared to potentially be wrong, but doesn't happen very often. I just, I think that things working against him this week is A, the quarterbacks, because even if Trevor does start, then like I feel like it's going to be a lot of quick game, a lot of screens. Just like, I mean, for either quarterback, the game plan is probably going to be fairly similar to what we saw last week against, against the Panthers, where the quarterback is averaging about two seconds after the snap to throw. That's and fair. Really definitely can catch short routes or short passes, but he's more of a threat and more productive in like more of the intermediate range. Um, do, do you think the game plan is any different with Lawrence versus Beathard if they're in? Like, do you think if Lawrence is in, he's slinging it as opposed to Beathard kind of doing what he did last week? Or do you think maybe they play it conservatively either way? Like just how do you kind of, I think play conservatively either way, because even if like Lawrence has like full capacity in his arm and is able to let it rip, I think Jacksonville's coaches are still going to try to like kind of like calm him down a little bit just for the sake of him not getting hit and not like further aggravating the injury with the playoffs probably on deck. So I I think it's going to be a pretty similar game plan regardless. Be a Saints uh, type of game plan, you think, probably? For sure. 
I was going to say earlier, when you mentioned the Ridley reverse, like 100%, bet the mortgage on Ridley getting at least one carry. I, 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 that's a good one. I, I like that. I, I should have, dang, I should have had that. I like that. That's, that, that's a good call because it definitely feels like that kind of week where they're going to pull out the stops. Like, cause I mean, you have a lot to lose, you know, as opposed to Tennessee, who has nothing to lose. Like Jacksonville has everything to lose. So I agree. I think they're going to do their very best to like keep Trevor or, or Bethard on a short leash because in my mind, if I had to guess, they're probably thinking as long as we don't turn the ball over they should win this game, right? Yeah, I don't know. But at the same time, like, I feel like it's going to be, like, kind of a gadgety game plan. And some of the gadget plays have led to turnovers or at least kind of, like, big losses. So it'll be interesting to see. Because I, I kind of feel like this is a Cress-Taylor game because, like, they're going to okay. have to do a good good job coordinating. But at the same time, like, not try to get so cute that it leads to mistakes. So Calvin Ridley game and Press-Taylor game. That's your guy. <laughs> not Calvin, not Calvin Press. You 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 proclaim for him to be my guy, and then you just come up here, get on your pedestal, and say it's going to be a Press Taylor game. I didn't say I, anything good about it. I guess yes. a Press Taylor game indicates good because like that's the way that we talk yeah. about it in early weeks. I, I never thought I would hear it's going to be a Press Taylor game. <laughs> so that this, was I, I I meant like Press Taylor's play calling will be a major thing to watch. That's that's what I meant by a Press Taylor game. Like, Fair enough. He's going to have a big role in the outcome of Week 18. I, I, I agree with that 100%. Gus, you got any other takes on Jags offense versus Titans defense before we cut for a break? No, let's get to defense. All right. We're back, ready to break down the battle. Everybody has anticipated for 17 long weeks. Ryan Tannehill, Mike Caldwell, <laughs> the immovable object. The unstoppable force. Who you got? Mike Caldwell, man. Come on. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm definitely way more of a Mike Caldwell guy than Press Taylor guy. I know I look exactly like Press Taylor. There was literally like a photo in the past week or two of Press Taylor in the coach's box upstairs calling plays. And I like thought it was me for a second. It's it's kind of uncanny at specific angles. Dude, I had literally said this for years since he got hired. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I I have been brushed aside many a times. I'm I'm glad yeah. that you're finally. Uh, it. How old are you? Twenty four. About to turn twenty five. Okay, I'd say I'd like to know where he was twenty six years ago, but I don't think he's that old. <laughs> like he's obviously older than twenty six, but I don't want to say. I want to know what a nine year old was. I'm I'm also one of those kids that looks exactly like their parents, so I've known for a long time that I'm not adopted and just a long lost Taylor brother. Good point. Good point. One one of the one of the many. All right, Gus. Jags defense versus Titans offense. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead and segue past the <laughs> Gus Gus versus Taylor <laughs> paternity suit. Go, one go ahead of the and do more. Kids that looks like their parents. <laughs> one of the many kids that look like their parents. Yeah. <laughs> You yeah. sure look like those two people that made you guess. <laughs> All right, what's what's the uh, what's the matchup that's got your eye this week? I want to give a game ball to whoever looks most like their parents. <laughs> that, that was, okay, so that was that was <laughs> it. I had to get out there. Uh, man, that's tough. Devin Lloyd had, I thought, his best probably career game in Week Eleven against the Titans. Like, take out all the takeaways he had last year. Some of them, you know they kind of lucked into. He was kind of all over the place in week 11, and he met Henry a couple times in the hole. So I'd, I'd say Henry versus uh, Lloyd will be a big one. Hopkins, obviously, versus Campbell and uh, Williams. And that's, I'd say, probably the matchup of the game. But just overall, how the Jaguars can make Ryan Tannehill uncomfortable. I'll be honest. I think the Jaguars would have a better shot. And I'm, I'm not saying they have a Christ, right hand was playing, they're screwed. But I think Will Levis playing would increase the Jaguars' probability to win as opposed to Ryan Tannehill. Just because I don't think Tannehill's gonna make like many mistakes because he doesn't really do anything at this point of his career. Of like the 35 quarterbacks with 50 dropbacks the last no 25 dropbacks the last two weeks, he is the second lowest average after target at 4.4 yards. Like he's 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 like barely playing the position. 
You know, he's yeah. more or less doing extended handoffs. So that's my thing is I'm just not uh, – I think they're going to punt a lot, but I'm not sure how often <laughs> he's going to put the ball in harm's way, whereas Will Levis was like barely taking snaps and handing off correctly last time these two teams played. Yeah, I don't know. I, I go back and forth because, like you said, like Tannehill is barely playing the position. But I think if it was like a midseason game, like week 11, that Levis would give you a better chance to win or win in general. But like since this game is essentially a playoff game and I feel like it can get like pretty gritty and low scoring, I think having a quarterback that that's not going to turn the ball over is going to be good for you. Because I think, yeah, like as you said, Levis had an aborted snap back in week 11 against the Jags. And so just having someone that can take care of the football, I feel like Tannehill has had actually his fair share of turnovers against the Jaguars, whether it be interceptions or strip sacks. But, yeah, I still think, like, I'd rather go with a veteran than a rookie for a game as important as this one. Yeah, no, 100%. And I, I'd i agree with that. I think Tannehill probably has, you know, had his fair you share. You just said you would go with Levis over, Levis over Tannehill. No, I'm saying that I, I see your point that Tannehill's had his fair share of turnovers. I don't agree. I agree with the bad word. I, I don't agree with you at all. No, no. I, 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 yeah. No. You said 100%. I was like, where where are you on this one? You're back yeah. on the top of the fence again. Fair. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Give, give me a stat line. Give me a stat line you expect. Oh, I have so many stats. Um, okay. All right. I think the biggest one is that Josh Allen is going on the right – he's almost always on the right side of the line, which means he's going against left tackles. He's a right outside linebacker going against left tackles. And uh-huh. uh, Tennessee will be starting six-round rookie Jalen Duncan, who ranks dead last in PFF pass block rate among 90 qualifying offensive tackles this season. He also ranks last in pass blocking – grade on like true pass blocking sets. I know you like that split. So he's allowed nine sacks, which is tied for fourth most among all offensive linemen. And he's only started five games this season. I was going to say he's barely played. Yeah. He has played in 10 games. So he's definitely had to like be in relief a few times, but uh, Tennessee's offensive line was like pretty bad to start the year. And then they had a bunch of injuries. So now they've got this six round rookie who by PFF's grading is the worst offensive tackle so i mean i feel like josh allen already had plenty of motivation this week to get his team um to the playoffs get one step closer to the super bowl uh maybe like try to lead the league in sacks because he's only half game or half sack back currently um but like it's just set up really well for josh allen going against this left tackle that's a good point i think the Titans' offensive line in general, <laughs> it's like a complete mess. You know, like, I think there's chances for the Jaguars. Like, that was the big thing they did in week 11 was they took away Henry on early downs. It was back when the Jaguars were, you know, still doing that. <laughs> and they were able, like, to force Tennessee into a lot of, you know, third and longs. The Jags only missed three tackles that entire game, which is absolutely bonkers, you know, for an NFL game. I believe it's the lowest of the Caldwell slash Peterson era. To me, if they can do that, that's where I see, you know, their big chance to take this game over. Like I said, if you don't turn the ball over, I think you have a good chance because I expect or at least would think their front would have an advantage over the Titans offense line. I'm not I don't think the Jaguars have like a a great defensive front or anything, but they do have some good players along there. And we've seen kind of week after week, like the Titans offensive line just like get hammered, you know, like it. I don't think Henry's lost as much of a step as people probably think. I just think their line has regressed that badly over the years. And it's come to, a, you know, a peak this year where it's probably the worst that they've had his entire career. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think he's definitely still got some juice left in the engine. But, I mean, it's it's definitely a, a mismatch for the Titans in general. But I think especially in, like, their base offense, which is total personnel. And then that gets the Jaguars into their base defense, which is a 3-4. Uh, we talked about how the Jags aren't really as well equipped to stop the run when they have just two defensive tackles on the field. And we saw Carolina last week have a decent amount of success on the ground, or I guess just a little bit of success on the ground because they were in a negative game scripts the whole time, so they had to pass a lot. But whenever they were in 11 personnel, uh, Chubba Hubbard was able to get 
a couple of first downs. But fortunately for the Jags, like I said, Tennessee, uh, their base offense is 12 with two tight ends on the field, and they run it at the fifth highest rate in the league. Um, and against – let me find the stat. Against running back runs out of 12 personnel this season, Jacksonville's defense ranks top two in yards allowed, yards per carry allowed, first down rate allowed, EPA per play allowed, and success rate allowed. That's crazy. Like it's it's literally like the thing the Jaguars this year have done best. Yeah, and that and that's even factoring in the fact that the 49ers had a ton of success in 12 personnel. So even like factoring that debacle performance in, like the Jaguars right. obviously still grayed out that well. That to me is probably the big key to the game. I, I, I don't know how else the Titans enter this game other than saying let's just smash it, smash it, smash it. Hope Derrick Henry does something take shots to DeAndre Hopkins. But I think that's kind of what the Jaguars need too. Like I feel even especially, I mean, with the chance that CJ Beathard plays, the Jaguars would probably love if this was like a ground and pound game from the opposing team. Cause it's not like they're going to have to, you know, be airing it out every drive to come back. Yeah. I agree with you there where I think to the Titans, like their game plan is going to be grounded pound. Cause like, it's not like they really have enough, enough capable receivers to get into 11 personnel with confidence to take advantage of running out of 11 personnel against Jacksonville's nickel fronts or nickel defense. They, they just don't really have the horses to do anything else. So they kind of have to ride with Henry and hope for the best. I will be interested. How often will the Jaguars still go with their sub look against 12 personnel? Cause I know they've kind of done it in the past, especially this last month and, my galaxy brain is just like how how badly do they want to get Antonio Johnson on the field? Because like this could be a game where the nickel plays like 15, 15 snaps, you know? Like, yeah. Trey, Trey Herndon, he 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 was impactful the last time these two teams played, but he didn't you know play nearly as many snaps as he does you know usually. So I I do wonder how they will kind of attack that. I think in general though. This defense combined with, like you said, the way the Titans play offense, they're at least equipped to kind of for a game like that, right? Now they have enough depth in terms of run stoppers. Like they have the pieces to be a better run defense than they've been over like this last month and a half. Is that what I guess I'm trying to say? Yeah, I feel like they just like I feel like Hamilton last year and what they were expecting this year was that he was gonna be kind of like their problem solver defensive tackle when they had two defensive tackles on the field. And they had to like take up uh, like double blocks and kind of take up two gaps, um, and that just hasn't really panned out. So like I feel like the scheme is kind of like the scheme, and then like when you have obviously a three-four defense and kind of like a numbers advantage in the trenches, that's been helping them out. So I think like they're going to definitely look to get even if not like a superstar defensive tackle or defensive lineman. I think adding like a real name to that line if if they don't think Ham could be that is a, a real possibility. It's such a good bit to design a defense around the Vaughn Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good stuff. I didn't think it was a terrible idea before he got injured. I it, Mike to, yeah to his credit he was phenomenal last year, you know, as a run stopper. And it definitely does feel like that. It's it's funny when you say like potentially add like a big like name defensive lineman feels like when most teams do that, they're saying, we want to do this so we can play more too high and less, have less guys in the box. Whereas the Jaguars, <laughs> we want to do this so we cannot have three defensive tackles on the field all the time. Exactly, yeah. And for the nickel position, like, I think just like every game, it's going to depend on, like, the matchups and the personnel and what happens in the game. You're going to make in-game kind of decisions based on that. But I wouldn't be surprised if they start out defending 12 personnel in in base a lot and then if the game kind of gets away from the titans and the jaguars establish the lead maybe they'll throw in antonio johnson at nickel and do a little more a little less space so that they just see a little bit out of antonio johnson and then they'll also be just defending the pass more in general uh with a lead so it'd be probably wiser to have a nickel than a defensive tackle over under sacks from defense three and a half what are you taking who I think they got two last time. Like four different guys had like half a sack, I think. Yeah, they got two last time, which obviously Will Levis didn't even play the position. <laughs> last time they played. Yeah. It, was like, it was like screen passes and like a fake 
fake handoff toss back like to him. Yeah, I will say the Titans ranked first in screen usage this year on 14% of their plays they run a screen. And Jacksonville ranks bottom eight in total yards allowed, yards per attempt allowed, and success rate allowed against screens this season. And so that'll definitely be a small thing to watch for is success on screens for the Titans offense. Do you you have success rate for the Titans offense on screens? So I I, I just feel like the Jaguars are, I I agree, have been terrible. (laughs) I agree with the data. (laughs) The Jaguars have been (laughs) terrible against screens this year. I just wonder if the Titans even have anybody who you can like be scared of on a screen. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Well, I'm trying to look it up. Because the Titans went with a really screen-heavy, you know, game plan last time, but it's not like it was really effective, you know. Like yeah. Chris Moore had like a forty-nine-yard catch and run, but that wasn't a screen. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins had a forty-three-yard catch, but other than that, their you know longest plays by players like six-yard catch by Tajay Spears, ten-yard catch by Kyle Phillips, seven-yard catch by Wiley. Seven-yard catch by Westbrook Akini. Seven-yard catch by Quano. Six-yard catch by Henry. Two-yard touchdown catch by Jeffrey Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that happened. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> All right, so the Titans rank first in screen usage at 14%, and they rank 20th in success rate on screens. <laughs> That's so funny. 36, or 27%. I feel like them and the Jags are basically the same in that regard. <laughs> like, yeah, and it's obvious why both teams run a lot of screens. Yeah, but I think like Jacksonville with uh, the speed that they have at receiver, and then uh, like Lawrence, if he's able to play, like they're they're well equipped to be able to like take advantage or well enough equipped to take advantage when yeah. defenses kind of like creep up and play a little bit closer. But the Titans just are not like they can't really take advantage of an opposing defense playing up at the line, playing physical, and playing to stop those screens. So, like I think there's a good chance that the Jags like are able to stop stop screens with success the majority of the afternoon. But if if it's if like Tajay Spears breaks a sixty yard screen, I certainly wouldn't be surprised either. For sure, for sure. Can can I give you my quick bulky ball? Yeah. Okay. It's a list of defensive backs with less interceptions this year than Antonio Johnson. Okay. You ready? Yes. Emmanuel Forbes. Okay. Devon Witherspoon. Joey Porter Jr. Patrick Sertan. Tredavious White. I think those are the only good people. JC Jackson, obviously. DJ Reed. Sean Murphy Bunting, Adore Jackson. Okay, you can stop there. Marlon Humphrey, Marshawn Lattimore, and I almost said Trayvon Diggs by accident before remembering the context. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, you also just – Would you take any of those players' productions over Antonio Johnson this year? Yes or no? Yes, because no, – they- yeah, No, no, no. The fault with this is that you last listed all corners. Like, I guess you can – What is it it's different. What does he play? Geno Stone like leads the league in interceptions, and he's a safety too. He's a safety. Exactly. So right. Johnson. Should, should I have done it by slot slot corners? Would that make, would that appease you? Yeah, you should do it by safeties, and then I'll be sad. Antonio Johnson has not played safety this year. All right, I guess I got ball. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's it's clearly semantics, but nonetheless, I feel I feel the bulky ball is vindicated. So uh, basically, though, what what I'm saying is, you would take one interception over Antonio Johnson's two, is what I'm asking. Yeah, because one of them was on a hill <laughs> game, so it didn't no. even matter. Ignore the context. Ignore the context. <laughs> okay. See, this. Like the game was already over because the Antonio Johnson was the one that prompted Cupgate, right? Prompted what? Cupgate. 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 Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was. But, like that happened with three minutes left in the game. Like neither of his interceptions 
like actually matter that much. Okay. So I would take one interception over his two late game interceptions. Uh, to your point about the safeties, he has played 103 snaps at slot corner, nine snaps at cornerback outside, and seven snaps at, sa- at safety this year. Per PFF, who was completely wrong about Trayvon Walker's <laughs> inside splits. So take it with that grain of salt. But since it works for me this time, I'm going to have it back <laughs> up. If you yeah, ever reference it, yeah. that's the for sure. Yeah, if it's ever used against me, I will remind people that they were wrong about Trayvon Walker by like four snaps, which is a very weird thing to be wrong about. Gus, you got any other stats for us on the defense? Any, any other takes? Um, DeAndre Hopkins had four catches for 59 yards and one touchdown in the last game against the Titans or against the, his last game against the Jaguars. Do you think he's going to go over or under 59 yards with Tyson Campbell is not in the previous game? I'll go. I'll go over. I think he's going to be the only one to have like more than like 20. I think he's going to go under. I, I think he'll have like 40 or 50. Like I don't think he'll be completely shut out, but I've been looking. I was, it was disappointing when Tyson didn't play in week 11 because as soon as DeAndre signed with the Titans, my first thought was just how fun that matchup is, especially with Tyson being a little bit better against kind of like bigger and physical receivers who don't get a lot of separation. I'm like DeAndre is kind of the king of like the late push off. That's not so much of a push off that he gets called for OPI. So I would kind of expect Nuke to win on uh, at least one subtle push off. But I think Tyson in general, especially after a pretty good showing last week, is well equipped to slow down a aging DeAndre Hopkins. So I'm definitely looking forward to that matchup. I feel like Darius and Nuke will be such a stylistic clash that. I, I just want to see them stand stand next to each other. I, I, I think it's more so the take I'm having. Uh, it's it's funny when tall people and not tall people stand next to each other on the football field. That's that my is. take on that. All right. <laughs> Got anything else? Yeah. Okay. Picks. We'll be right back after this break. All right, Gus. Lock of the week. Let's hear it. Tell me. I, I want to let you know. I am putting half of my wedding fund on whatever you said a lock of the week is. All right. I've got not. There doesn't one. listen to this. So, got, I, so you got a lot riding on this. I've got a couple player props to also say, but my lock of the week is Titans under 19.5 points scored. Ooh. Yeah. I think it's even if the Titans win the game, I think it's likely that they go under this number. Uh, in the week 11 game, the Titans started three and out. Uh, one first down, and then a fumble on the aborted snap. 13-play drive, but then they were sacked out of field goal range and had to punt. Three and out, end of half, three and out. And then they did score touchdowns on their final two drives, but by then, Jackson was up by, like, three touchdowns. And so I think, again, like, it's going to be a similar crawl fest to last week against the Panthers and Week 11 against the Titans where Jackson was able to get out to, like, a 10-point lead in the first quarter. And then just that's sit. pretty much the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just sit on it. Try to get style points. <laughs> I, 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 I definitely agree with you. I think, like, the Jaguars, again, like I said, I think the game plan is don't turn the ball over. And that obviously goes for every single game. But I think, especially if, like, this game, and to that point, I think they'll definitely, if they get any kind of lead, they'll kind of just kind of go into cruise control mode. Yeah. I think I think both teams will be just relying on their running backs and like even after a two yard run, a three yard run, a one yard run, a one yard run, a three yard run, like they're just gonna both keep going back to the well and kind of rely on defense and a couple big runs by their running backs to win this game. Does that mean you're over on ETN carries? Of course it means I'm over on ETN I think I took his over rushing and receiving yards total last week and it still paid off because of that long touchdown run. Yeah. But going back to the well this week, I like ETN over 52 and a half rushing yards, Ridley over 51 and a half receiving yards. Uh, I didn't see any props on Josh Allen sacks. So let's say I'm going over 0.75 Josh Allen sacks if something like that ever pops up in a sports book. Um, I also like the over field goals, even though that's not up and that's usually like three ish, but I think it's going to be a lot of like, 
just get points on the board. Uh, and then Engram under 49 and a half receiving yards because he had 162 yards in a career game last year against the Titans. And then in two games against the Titans since then, he's had 27 yards and 29 yards. And so he went over his receiving yards prop last week. Uh, but I think I think this week is going to be like similar to De- DeAndre Hopkins where he like still has a productive ish game but like ends up just below his receiving total. No, I, I think that's fair. I, I I definitely feel like this isn't a game where they're spamming targets to him. Um I, I think the over in Calvin Ridley yards fifty one and a half because of that. Like I said, I think Ridley's gonna get fed this week. I could see him getting fifty one and a half yards on like one big catch and you know maybe like another catch added in there. Like right. I I don't I don't know if you can bet on this. Calvin Ridley catch of 40 yards or more go ahead and make that lock of the week hey that's that's my lock of the week wow calvin ridley will, yeah calvin ridley Woo! calvin ridley will record one catch of at least 40 or more yards all right that's a good one my hot take this week that i wrote down is that calvin ridley will have at least 90 receiving yards because that's the number that it needs to reach a thousand on the season Ooh. His numbers, honestly, when I looked at them the other day, thought they thought he was a little closer to a thousand. <laughs> Not gonna yeah. lie, that's that's. Also, I think maybe the best stat for Ridley this season is that someday will be his seventeenth start, and it'll be the first time in his career that he starts every game in a season. It, I think did, it's a. He did play in all sixteen games as a rookie, but he only started about five, I believe. And so the fact that he – not that he was coming back from an injury, but nonetheless it's still impressive to come back from almost two years off of football and then playing every game. Yeah, no, I, I think he's set a career high in both snaps and snap percentage this year too. So in terms of just being available, it's kind of wild. He's been like the Iron Man of the offense. Him and yeah, ETM, exactly. like in, everybody else on offense, it seems like. It's like it's been ETM, it's been Ridley – and I actually, maybe take out ETN because there's been a few games where he's – so it's been, what, Ridley and Luke Fortner. <laughs> the was, Iron Man hey, Fortner's played every single snap, dude. He's Yeah, the only other one I was going to add was Evan Ingram. I don't feel like he hasn't been injured this year. I want to say there was – Brenton Strange hurt his foot, but that was – like I don't even – I don't know if Farrell's gotten hurt either. Maybe in the beginning of the year, but – I thought you were about to say Brenton was one of the Iron Men too. That <laughs> would have been a good take. All right, Gus. Predictions. What, yeah. What you got for me? Uh, I was going to add a long time ago when you were talking about how Peterson sort of owns Vrabel. Just I had written down that he's 3-0 since last the start of last year with a plus 38-point differential. And so there was – uh, last year's Week 18 game was a four-point win, but the other two games haven't really been close. And so I think, I think it's going to be 2013 Jaguars. Okay, I, I 23-13. Did I say 20 to 13? Yeah, 23-13. Regardless of who starts the quarterback, that's your that's your call. Yeah. Last week I was all over the place, and I I thought the Jags were going to get crushed if they didn't have Trevor, and that did not happen. So this week, regardless of who's at quarterback, I think it's a low scoring but still double digit point win for the Jags. Yeah, I I'll go Jags 20 Titans 13. Yeah, Jags 20 Titans 13. That's I I, I just feel like the Jags for all of their issues, for all of the ways that they have learned how to beat themselves. I feel like they more or less haven't really been a letdown against bad teams this year. You know, like even even the Bengals lost. The Bengals are a better team with Jake Browning at the helm right now than what the Titans have been this year. You know, like when it comes to the bad teams the Jags have played this year, the Titans, uh, the Panthers, uh, the Falcons, you know, that that kind of scenarios. I think the Jags are more or less taking care of business. I agree with you. I think they go conservative. They don't put the ball in harm's way very much. They pray that ETN breaks open a long run sooner and later. Maybe they go for a home run like early in the game 
try to give them that lead that they can just sit on. And I think the defense more or less has a, you know, overly, you know, positive performance. So we're both picking them to win, which, I mean, how disastrous of a loss would that be if they if they lose? Uh, it very disastrous. I would like, I would blow it up. There's like a bigger chance than not of there being like some kind of power struggle in the building in the summer if they lose against Tennessee. Yeah. So, and, so they lose. Would you say lose, if you? Yeah. So if they lost, missed the playoffs. Would you say if you were the one calling shots that okay, some something needs to be blown up, kind of changed. Yeah, and I don't know if something will be blown up in the terms of like the head coach or the general manager being gone, but I think like at the very least, like someone's someone on the coaching staff is going to get fired, or there's going to be some kind of shakeup, even if it's not major. Like something will happen. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Well, on that happy note, <laughs> <laughs> we both picked in the win, so we'll see what happens. Obviously, yeah. a big game. I don't think the Titans are going to just roll over and play dead, even though I do think that they're obviously a bad team. Gus, you got anything else to kind of send us out in the last regular season preview podcast of the year? Mm, Yeah, I have a little bit more of an uplifting note to end on. Uh, One more hot take. Darius Williams will get an interception off uh, Ryan Tannehill to secure an all-pro nod. I thought that he was the biggest – Nub out of any Jaguars who weren't like a non-alternate pro bowler. So besides Ross Matisek and Josh Allen, I thought like Darius Williams was the most deserving of a pro bowl nod over. I mean, that's probably a pretty hot take over Evan Ingram because he definitely deserved it too. But mostly like over a Foyer Luicon and ETN. Yeah, because like ETN, like I – like, he had a Pro Bowl caliber season maybe, but, like, he's definitely, like, dropped off in the past month. And, like, there's definitely total, plenty of recency bias in the Pro Bowl voting and awards. Yeah. And so, uh, but, like, with all that said, like, I think I think Foyer should, like, definitely get strong consideration for an all-pro all nod. But as as many people have pointed out in Jags Twitter this week, the, the all-pros are what really matters because Pro Bowls are kind of popularity contests. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Pro Bowls to me, like, it's definitely like something that it, it makes sense to poke fun at and say, why does this matter? But my retort is always every player I've ever talked to, it matters to them. Like, they're not playing for a Pro Bowl. You know, like Josh Allen obviously said he hopes that he can't even go to the Pro Bowl. You know, like he <laughs> yeah. he'll be busy, but it does, like, even financially, it matters now. Like, you get, if you're a first round pick and you make the Pro Bowl as a non alternate, you get escalators in your fifth year option, which, does not apply to the Jaguars. <laughs> they, they Trevor Lawrence was an alternate last year, alternate again this year. But like I think like Pat Sertan and Sauce Gardner, like their fifth year options are both going to be like a couple million dollars, like more than they would have been otherwise. So it, it it definitely does matter. Gus, got anything else for us, my friend? No, I'll see you for either the first postseason or the first offseason pod on Monday. Well, Yes, sir. Thank you guys, as always, for joining us. In Nashville, don't forget, you've been bulky bold. We'll be back Monday or Tuesday. Thank you, guys.